Welcome to the Hawkeye Psychic Podcast. And you're very welcome back to the Hawkeye Psychic Rugby Podcast. This is our weekly rugby review. I'm joined as ever by Liam O'Brien to review the Guinness Six Nations Round 4 action. We'll also look at URC Roundup with Munster, Leinster and Ulster in action. Ireland 20 sensation against England and also a big shout out to Spain who advanced to the Rugby World Cup 2023. Liam Hortings. Mighty Mark, we beat the English. That's that. That's always a great celebration. And the game was pretty good as well. I tell you what, for the week that's in it, you know, 32, you know, the magic 32, it's, uh, it's always <laughs> good. Uh, maybe we could just go straight to it, uh, Liam. The, the results being 15-32 uh, for Ireland. Action-packed from minute one. Uh, were we overriding emotions post the game? Yeah, it was, it was uh, definitely one where the result triumphed over the performance again where the first 10 minutes we were strong definitely very strong obviously last 10 minutes in between mixed bag is all, is all we can call it but credit to England too in, in that in that in that intervening period England really stood up as a man as well like you know when it could have collapsed so they showed they showed character as well I think for both teams they probably come away with it with a few positives definitely England for the resiliency determination Let's get straight to it, Liam. The Ewells red card. Any argument, really? It was head to head. No, no, no arguments whatsoever. I mean, you, you'd often have it, it was some mitigating circumstances. <laughs> there was absolutely none in this this scenario. And of course, um, we lost James Ryan as well. So um, that was a, probably a bit of a blow for us as well. We we played so well in that opening period there. Um, Beautiful try from James Lowe. And then, of course, we had the Keelan Doris disallowed try when, when you know, how far back do you go to review the try? <laughs> really, like 15 moves away, you know. You know, the the the, the spill um, on the line, yeah. So that would have been changed again completely, in my view. Completely agree, Liam. I think if it goes 15-0 up, I think England are a pretty beaten force at that stage, but pretty monumental shift there because Ireland did get a bit inaccurate, uh, particularly in offsides. I think the scrummaging, I think we'll get to in a few minutes. Even just, you know, game decisions. I mean, the the ring rolls kick all went and good. He had low outside him, who could have made another 25, 30 metres. He kicks. Did he realise that Sexton was 5, 10 metres ahead of them? I mean, you know, that was just similar to the Italian game where they went down to 14 players quite soon in the game looks as if we kind of started to overplay a little bit yeah but again it, it, it's kind of understandable and you, as you pointed out rightly with, with roughly it's the same as the italian game that funny enough then <laughs> we kind of like we ran out of ideas we, i think we put too much pressure on ourselves against 14 saying we have to actually put this game on aside and we have to take those passes those those 50 50 passes that you don't need to be doing just take it two more phases and you'll be, you know, and we were forcing things. That's exactly what we're saying. We were, we were just forcing things. And then when you force things, we were getting knock-ons and uh, losing momentum. And then England get to get their purple patch. And then very hard to get off the ball off, ball off England at that stage then. Exactly. And I suppose they were very galvanised by their front row performance. Uh, Ellis Genge, Jamie George, Kai Sinclair, Matthew Renal had a Looked at the scrum, really had adjudicated that the, the England front row were in the ascendancy. What was your viewpoint on that, uh, Liam? Yeah, well, I, uh, I'm no scrummaging expert, but, but what it appeared to me is you could look at it this way, that 
England standing out, they were taking a step out and it was causing basically huge pressure on the loose head side, the Irish loose head side. And it wasn't being picked up by the referee. Um, and you could you could you could actually say in reality he was probably like you know what there was there was six scrums wasn't there you were talking about it was probably like three all really is what it should have been or or maybe like four two to England but it certainly wasn't it wasn't six nil <laughs> or anything like that yeah it did seem the crowd the atmosphere really was boiling over a bit low scores superb try maybe we will get to that now uh, it was a great spin move exposed Stewart out wide having to make a defensive read and. Low goes over, but even the conversion, the booing, the heckling, the Twickenham sometimes is a bit damp in terms of atmosphere, but it certainly wasn't. And I think the, the team fed off that. And I think Renal, being a referee and only human, I think was kind of feeding off that as well in terms of being put under a bit of pressure to make a few uh, decisions for the home side uh, to really kind of balance things out after the right card. Yeah, and also, I mean, I mean, it, it, it's almost a fact in rugby. If the first few scrums go with a team, then the referee gets in his head for almost the rest of the game. <laughs> I'm going to penalise that other team now, like, you know what I mean? If it looks anyway like, like likely. But yeah, Twickenham was electric, to be fair, which is good to see because oftentimes it's like pin drop quiet compared to maybe any of the, of the other uh, Six Nations venues. I It's been a good while since I've really seen, the, you know, the likes of Maroui Toge, and and Sinclair played to that level. I was hugely impressed with them, and uh, I've always been impressed. I have to say with Courtney Laws, I think he's hugely underrated. They also lost, of course, Tom Curry as well. <laughs> you Indeed, couldn't yeah. make that up, like you know their primary pilfer. So and then actually really good kicks from Smith. A lot of those uh, penalties were not were not handmies by any means. No, certainly not. I think given the circumstances. You know, I thought Mark Smith had a, a very good game. And I think Johnny Sexton alluded to it on the post-game. He was very impressed by his composure, execute under extreme circumstances. I mean, Ireland's line speed was pretty pretty all right on the day. I think England to a man in that pack were absolutely phenomenal, you know, after Ewells going off. And I think you could see from Ewells as well, that the mantra was set, you know, the aggressive line speed, you know, hit the Irish early. Again, he gets the tackle completely wrong. Um, you know, it's unfortunate, James Ryan, again, another concussion, you know, in 18 months. I mean, I feel so sorry for James Ryan. I mean, he's only trying to get back in to top form. He has another concussion now to deal with. And God knows, you know, the competition for places now, Byrne, Henderson, these guys, Treadwell. You know, for James Ryan now, it's, you know, your health is your wealth. But again, it's very concerning for James Ryan, who is such a talisman for the Irish squad, let's face it. Um, that he has to deal with another concussion uh, welfare issue. Yeah, and I look at the questions are going to be asked again now as as the war of Johnny Sexton and other players. You know, I mean, how many concussions are you allowed <laughs> in a certain period before, before you should be at least stood down for a while? That would be asked as well. But yeah, I mean, in terms of second row, we're we're well stacked there at the moment. But he is still, you know, you probably would say himself and Byrne would be would be nailed down starters at the moment. I mean, it'd be remiss to say Jack Jack Noel, an outstanding cameo as a back row when Tom Curry went yeah. off. No, because that was such a key departure as well. I thought, after seeing it, I was like, God, they're definitely in trouble now. You know, their second row gone. And then one of their Tazismatic back row operators gone, particularly in the breakdown. I thought 
this may be easy work, but in fairness, England to a man. Uh, and I think helped in no small measure, I think, by Ireland, the accuracy, uh, cohesion issues. I hate to be picking on ring rolls here, but God, that kick in the first half when he had James Lowe with acres of space out wide, sides the kick. And it's not as if Sexton's not in his line of vision, you know, the 5, 10 metre, you know, it's kind of like, oh dear God. Um, that sort of thing, and given three points back. But let's look at the positives from Ireland. Hugo Keenan. Uh, I thought it was absolutely incredible. I know Gibbs, Jameson Gibson Park got the man of the match. Uh, but I thought Hugo Keenan, I think that was a hallmark performance from him. I think his best performance in an Irish jersey. Yeah, yeah, easily, easily. I mean, I mean, like, he, he is definitely Ireland fullback. There's no, there's no doubt about that. I also thought James Lowe actually had a great game, you know. I have to, I have to give credit. I know people are reluctant to give him any praise whatsoever, but whatever he did was faultless oh so yeah Jameson Gibson Park I think I think he's definitely nailed down the, the position he's just the tempo Ireland play at with him is incomparable I think up front I thought that Keelan Doris was one was one of the picks up front for me he's phenomenal phenomenal ball carrier decision making in terms of his lines running lines is just nothing short and sensational and if this was a New Zealander right now He'd be lauded at the ends of the earth. I mean, absolutely phenomenal again. You know, some great line ball carries, superb. I thought a man he was decent as well for his cameo as well. Um, but I suppose the other positive re- and Conway as well. Uh, you know, if we mention the two back three, you might as well mention Conway. 50-22 kick at a critical juncture in that match. That doesn't go according to plan. Again, momentum starts shifting a little bit, thing, then the crowd get more involved. But it was such an inspirational kick to kind of set up the prelude to our bench, kind of coming off the bench and really making a big impression. Uh, Liam, I just thought Conor Murray, when they decided to introduce him, was inch perfect. In terms of the context of the game, that experience had the composure. I don't hear any more negativity, negativity about this guy because he's just phenomenal. He's brilliant at what he does in terms of a test match situation. His decision making was just absolutely awesome, I thought. Yeah, like he 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 really does pick those passes at the at the right time to give us that momentum. I also thought that um, Killer Kilcoin was yeah. was absolutely excellent when he came on. Could have come on a bit earlier. I I I I had already said maybe last week that I don't think uh, that Kian Healy is quite even a fifty-five minute guy anymore either either. Like you know, but I uh, mean clearly the yeah he improved things in, in open play. And and in the scrum and Finley Beelham, like wow, what a yeah. what, what a performance and what what a try to cap it, like you know, because he had an awful lot of work to do there as well. And of course, the story afterwards of not seeing his family for literally two years and that was the first time he saw them was a uh, quite uh, emotional for him as well. You know, you can go down through the bench, they all did ever. I think this is the positive, and I'd say it was communicated and conveyed by the Irish management to the squad during the video analysis. Every one of these guys off the bench, delivered. You know, we kind of talk about Murray. I Robbie Henshaw got through an amount of work when he came in, direct ball, carrying, was willing to take the game to England, you know, commit England tacklers. Jack Conan comes on, obviously, you know, and, you know, Bealham. Henderson comes on early, and I know there's a few penalties, you know, that, you know, you kind of, a few expletives when he's conceding, but he's work rate and physicality again. You know, he never stopped. Um, everyone in that 
you know, bench. And unfortunately for Carberry, he only got the 20, 30 seconds uh, cameo at the end. But everyone else just literally put in the shift. And really, it was required. The big impact off the bench. You know, England talk about their closers getting the job done. I think we have to say that about the Irish team as well. England defence was tiring. Questions were asked. And we got some great tries out of it, uh, starting with Jack Conan's uh, third try, uh, Liam. Yeah, look, the, the one thing I know about Jack Conan is he does run the best lines. I know I know, Keen Doran is quite, is quite good at that. But no, he really does... And that, that's a, that's a huge difference. And certainly in terms of eight, at eight, he's done well. It's noticeable against England a few times now, you know. So you sometimes wonder should it be a horses for courses selection in the back row for certain games as well. But uh, yeah, Conan, very good um, bench impact. That's what he is now. Exactly. No, it was a super line break. And same with Hugo Keenan as well. Remiss of us not to say that second try. It's great thinking of Jameson Gibson Park as well to identify the space. But if you see Hugo Keenan, like he's already running, like, you know, I mean, the vision, the attacking line, Jimmy George's not getting there. And it was just an incredible uh, score, I thought, you know, at a vital juncture. But then we can get to Finley Beanham's try as well. Pack now getting the momentum. Really, the Conan third try really did break the resolve of England. And uh, Finlay Beelham had an awful lot to do <laughs> there on that ball carry to get across. But I thought it was very good work from the pack uh, to really secure that bonus point uh, for Ireland. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they real great drives, of course, beforehand. That's all that, that makes it. Beelham, yeah, for a guy who's doesn't look quite huge, he certainly had quite enough power going in his game there. No, I think he's very underestimated in terms of that. I mean... He's highly regarded, kind of rugby setup and family here. And I'm delighted to have seen him on the try. As you say, the, the pictures of him and his family uh, were very emotional. And it's great for him. And I suppose from an Andy Farrell perspective, I mean, his cameo, it could kind of lend itself to more extended minutes against uh, Scotland, uh, particularly uh, at the weekend. But uh, I thought it was a great, you know, I mean, 32 points, eight tricking them. I mean, you can kind of critique... Eddie O'Sullivan was very quick to critique the the issue uh, and of the performance, but let's be fair, it's not every day that an Ireland team is going to tweak them getting five points. Um, so we kind of move on there anyway, uh, which is good. I think England they'll dust themselves down. I think there is the the passion, the old England, the passion, the determination, the physicality. It's all there, but I think from an attacking side of things, very hard to gauge them given that they're playing. Uh, with 14 pairs for effectively the full match. But it'll be interesting to see how they get on next weekend uh, in Paris. But uh, I suppose, Liam, we could maybe kind of look at uh, Scotland. They went to Rome, won 32-22, in a pretty open match, I would say. I mean, the stats here, Italy missed 40 tackles and uh, Scotland 29. I think it really kind of sets the context in terms of how wide open this match actually was. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I I feel you know until Scotland just was that third key try from from Harris, I mean I mean that it was the game was in the melting pot you know definitely Italy I it clearly was an opportunity for Italy to to get a win um but you know after that Scotland third try really it was it was all over and Italy got a few uh, two tries at the end to put a bit of gloss on it. But um, Scotland, yeah, they're they're 
they're struggling, I would say, at the moment now, in, in, as to what kind, kind of game that they want to play. Because mm. for all of Italy's endeavours, particularly in the first 30 minutes, again, it's the unforced errors, Braley, the scrum half, you'll have nightmares about that floaty pass that he basically tries to pass to an Italian, 10 metres out, gets intercepted. I mean, even the first try, there's a one-on-one on the sideline, tackling missed. So there was kind of self-inflicted wounds, but I think Scotland did show, uh, though, Liam, ahead of the weekend, if you do give them time, if you do give them space, they will definitely punish you. And I thought Harris particularly was very opportunistic in these two tries, first one on the 22nd minute and the one on 37, and Sam Johnson as well. But they're well capable. They're good ball players, but um, I think Aaron will be duly warned uh, there, particularly with Darcy Graham and Stuart Hogg. Hogg had an incredible game, you know, 13 carries for 166 metres, so back to good form as well. But, you know, Ireland will give Scotland due respect, but there are kind of, as you say, performance gaps there in that Scottish side, particularly I thought Scottish Dino didn't really function that well. There was an awful lot of turnover ball. And again, Italy did have an awful lot of uh, joy, particularly when they attacked Scotland on the mall. Yeah, it's kind of funny to me or ironic you know, Scotland, you'd always associate with those hard-nosed forwards and maybe, you know, a, a kind of effective out-half, you know, in the backs. But now they, they have some real quality backs and maybe lacking a bit up front, it has to be said. I mean, Darcy Graham is as good as you'll as you'll see in terms of his overall game. So Scotland need to front up up front. And if they front up, they actually have the back line to absolutely tear anyone apart. Exactly. Now, the Six Nations have seen... The Scottish pack squad depth absolutely decimated with injuries. There was more re- call-ups, again, with uncapped pack uh, reserves. But, I mean, to be perfectly honest, Hamish Watson coming back into the side could not be underestimated. Last Saturday, I thought he was superb, just in terms of his general work rate around the, the fringes, I thought, and Rock area. I thought he was, you know, an added bonus and phenomenal talent. And Ireland will have to keep an eye on him, but... There is scope there. I mean, Scotland do come into the Aviva Stadium with pretty much no pressure on them to perform. So it'll be really down to Ireland to really deliver a performance. But uh, again, it'll be very interesting just to see the pack battle. Uh, just in terms of the Irish front five, do you think that there will be any selection changes from the front five that started uh, against England uh, last Saturday? Look, I, I, I think that Kilcoyne will probably come in. Yeah, they'll probably give Kilcoyne a start at loose head what i would actually have done is i would have actually maybe started Beelham <laughs> at tight head because like at a certain point you have to give him a chance as well and then in terms of uh the back row you know you could see doris on the back at six and conan um at eight uh henshaw into center yeah, because I think the production of the Ireland three quarters, even against 14 players, was pretty minimal. 25 metres for the two, Ring Rose and Bundy AK, which is very unlike them. I think definitely Henshaw has definitely put up the hand for selection here. Uh, definitely. I, I would concur with you with Dave Kilcoyne. I think that is tailor-made for Dave Kilcoyne to have a, a stand-up performance uh, against Scotland. Keane Healy... Yeah, I, I think we have to be looking ahead a little bit uh, beyond Keane Healy now, but I think Healy would be quality to come in with 30 minutes to go. 
I felt the pace of the game really got to Keane Healy. You'll see some TV footage of him just in the open play, really kind of struggling to kind of really kind of get his breath and stuff and just didn't look at ease at all. I mean, scrummaging, I think, you know, it's a master of science there anyway, but I thought his open play, you know, didn't really offer a whole pile, unfortunately, and Kilcoyne coming in, ball-carrying ability. So I definitely would go with you on that. What would you think in terms of hooker here? Uh, I mean, Dan Sheehan comes in, I think he learned plenty in terms of scrummaging at the weekend. Does he retain his spot uh, for you, uh, Liam? Certainly, it could be, it could, it could be worth a look having Rob Heron with Sheehan to to come on for a bit of bit of bench impact. And again, I'm I'm just looking in terms of the scrummaging power as well. Uh, I I I'm plump for Herring for this game. Yeah, because I didn't mention it in terms of the bench impact as well. Rob Herring, I thought was superb. He came in, he stabilised things, particularly scrum time and also set piece. And he's so great in terms of those attacking malls as well. You know, for Ulster and also Ireland as well. I would kind of freshen it up. I would try to freshen it up. Maybe give Furlong a good 40 minutes, 45 minutes to exercise the game. I thought some of the media criticism of him was very overboard. I thought his open play was sensational in terms of his attacking lines, making England defenders commit defensive misreads. I thought overall, Grant, I think scrummaging was complete lottery with Matthew Rinald, to be perfectly fair. And I think you just retained Furlong really to kind of uh, deliver a top, top performance there. But I think I can see changes definitely in that Ireland side against Scotland. And I think it will be a lively game, particularly in the Aviva Stadium, given the circumstances. Final round, weather should be pretty decent in Dublin anyway on Saturday. So um, hopefully for a good contest, plenty of tries. And also, Le Bleu, France, on Friday night. Uh, Liam, we talked about a potential of the banana skin. Did we kind of see it last Friday night? In uh, the Principality Stadium uh, in Cardiff. Oh, we certainly did. We certainly did. Just about got over the line. Just about. And it was it was as much the the Welsh um, blowing their 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 chances as the Blue actually taking theirs. The amount, yeah. Like Wales seem to be a second second half team these times, you know. <laughs> Particularly when I think back of the England game as well, and. Uh, Wales, I, I must give them awful credit for in these Six Nations. They they have been manful in every game. They really haven't, like, given up the post at all. I'll tell you what, Liam, we've been very, uh, well, personally, I've been very critical of Wales front five, but I thought to a man, and even Ryan Elias, uh, Hooker, I thought everything went well for them. And I think Wales for World Cup 2023, I think they could be a live threat because they're blooding so many new guys in here you know, 18 months out from the actual tournament. I think the exposure... Now, it's not going to show the tail of the tape when we get to the Guinness Six Nations standings, but I think Wayne Pivak and his uh, coaching team should be relatively pleased in terms of how certain guys have really delivered in the last few weeks. And, I mean, I thought Wales to a man were absolutely outstanding. I thought defensively they gave France absolutely nothing. Antimac had an absolute nightmare. You could see the shrugging of the shoulders, the... You know, dismissive look, facial expressions to teammates after 50 minutes. That's all you needed from a Welsh perspective to kind of know that you were well in the game. I thought Dupont was fairly minimal after a good promising start. Geelong scores a try after nine minutes. You think, oh, this is going to be vintage French rugby again. But it never materialised. And to be perfectly honest, you could see panning up to Fabian Galtier and particularly Sean Edwards. The performance was so nervy and even the coaching staff you could sense it from let's say minute 30 on they got out of jail i thought um particularly the jonathan davis uh, opportunity you know with about 10 minutes left 
I think he doesn't score the try, but if he holds on to it, I think there's phase play there that will definitely get a try. And I don't know if France would have gotten back into the game. Yeah, no, I, I don't think so. I think that would have been it. I, uh, and, and in the last few years, it's happened that France have come out and played very well against Wales at the start, and then just Wales have owned the ball for the rest of the game. So that, that seems to be the pattern of these games. And yeah, I mean, it was a chance blown in the end, it has to be said, for Wales to win that game big time. And like, were they ever not going to stand up or, you know, in front of that crowd? Exactly. You know, um, I thought Bigger as well. Dan Bigger was absolutely outstanding in open play, particularly kicking. His kicking game was just phenomenal. A few 50-22s and, you know, orchestrating well. I thought Hardy coming on for poor Thomas Williams. I mean, that was a shuddering tackle and him trying to get up was just, oh, it was, you know, really kind of horrible to watch. Hopefully he's recovering. But I thought Hardy as well at nine, really good. Again, I still think there's a place for Reese Webb in that Welsh squad come 2023. So I think the squad depth, you know, we've talked about squad depth here, Lee, particularly in countries going into a World Cup. I think Wales have certainly ticked the box in terms of that. They've tried out an awful lot of new guys. And I think for the most of them, I think they have a test match career after the Six Nations tournament. And they will be building in the Summer Series and in November in another Six Nations. I think given the draw that they're in, Wales... Uh, could be quietly confident to get to a semi-final again. Oh yeah, I mean the group they got absolutely. Like of 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 all the 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 Six Nations sides, you know, um, they very well could possibly top that group again. I've absolutely no doubt about it. Wales can do that. And I said it's almost as if they didn't they didn't sacrifice the Six Nations. It's just that they literally had had so much kind of guys injured that they had they were forced to play these guys, and it worked out that they stood up and they're in maybe. In terms of building before the World Cup, they're in one of the strongest positions now of the Six Nations sides. Yeah. And I mean, it'd be remiss of us to say, Toby Falato, world class. Incredible again at the weekend. You know, he's carries 14, carries for 63 metres. I think he's work great. He's, the, he's, along with Doris, like, I mean, these guys are just at top of their game. I mean, for Falato to be so long out of the game, Test Match Rugby, and to deliver these performances, it just shows the talent of the guy. I think, uh, you know, Wales are well, well, um, you know, suited. I think, you know, the likes of Tipperick may come back in. Alan Jones, I think, is muted to come back in against Italy in round five. But, yeah, all good. But I think for France, for me personally, I think we saw a leader emerge from the pack, and that was Jaminet, the, the full-back. I thought when others around him were shrugging shoulders and not really doing what they should have been doing, Jaminet literally provided an awful lot of the best parts for the French performance. And I think he really established himself as the fullback. I think he's one of the leaders in that team after that. I mean, 10 carries, 74 metres. I mean, pivotal on the, the penalties, whatever. But he really did grow in stature when others literally around him failed. Yeah, yeah. The the, the other backline players, the other, the other star names that have been stars up to now, just were, were incredibly quiet. And... Yeah, I mean, in terms of the backline, he's definitely the the man to to look towards, and he, he he's a, he's such a quality kicker as well. Oh, absolutely outstanding boot on him. I mean, there were some lengthy touch finders as well to really ease pressure on France. Now, France defensively, I thought was was decent. Uh, they had to be. I mean, given that their attacking play was non-existent on Friday night, and I think Sean Edwards probably should be happy on that. But I think on other aspects, it just was a nervy performance. I think the enormity of what this team could achieve 
particularly in round five, I think got to an awful lot of players. And maybe this is the reality check that this French team needed going into at home to Paris. Like the Parisian crowd will not be looking for a performance of this nature. They will want France to be on the front foot. So I think to get this out of their systems in the context of the World Cup 2023, this is a team that's harboring ambitions to win the World Cup. This was a banana skin. This was a nervy cup final knockout match. Certain players didn't react well. So I think it'll be very interesting seeing the final round of Six Nations to see that mentality, see if England do impress early. Uh, will heads go down? Will there be body language issues? We'll see. It will remain to be seen. Liam, let's go to round five anyway. Maybe some quick predictions from yourself. I mean, it's been an outstanding tournament for a whole host of reasons, but uh, let's kind of review the, the fixtures on tap. Uh, Wales, Italy. Okay, so Wales, Italy. I mean, this is tradition, the game for Italy, where they just get absolutely hammered out the gate. Like, you know, their legs are gone at that stage. So we can, we can take that as pretty much a, a given. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see, as you said, like in terms of the the old stages come back as well for Wales for that final game. I you'd have to go with maybe about plus thirty points. I mean, yeah, we haven't compared pace notes here, ladies and gentlemen. I have Wales by thirty points as well. I don't think I think it's going to be a big, big tough ask here for Italy. We've seen some progression, but ultimately it's the same. It's literally the same undoings again. You know, the unforced errors at vital times uh, really did bear its head, um, literally against Scotland. So, yeah, Wales by 30. Let's move swiftly on to Ireland v Scotland. Uh, uh, Liam, how do you see this game going? Yeah, I mean, look, uh, it certainly is going to be tight for a lot of the game. You know, first 60 minutes, I don't think there's going to be too much in it as well. Um, I think Ireland should be able to, to pull away in the end, even with bench impact. I would give us something like uh, 15 points to win in the end. I think this might be a wide open game, uh, Liam. I think one of these games will be a very high scoring game. And I think this might be the one, particularly if the weather conditions in Dublin do allow it, because Scotland will come in and I think their best form of defensive is, is attack. Try to get Finn Russell hog into the game as much as you can. That implies creating the attacking width, which has its own risks. Um, hopefully Ireland don't play the occasion. Let's play the fixture out in a professional manner, build our phases, be accurate, precision-wise in terms of our pack and our attacking play. I, I see Ireland winning bonus points, I think by 10 to 15 points, but I think it could be a very high-scoring game. Something like a 42-28 game. Not after the rounds of possibility. I just think the two sides could literally go toe for toe for a while. And then Ireland's squad depth, particularly off the bench, being decisive. But I think that's the game that I'm looking forward to the most, I think, because I think Scotland have incredible ball players if they give, they're given time. And, you know, Russell Mercurial at 10, Hogg 15. You'll have Harris there as a very, you know, very experienced centre. I think it's all, and Mohamish Watson as well, Bradbury. You know, it's a, it's a good side. So, I mean, they deserve the respect, Scotland here. And, you know, I was say Ireland Scotland, they're very close rivals. You know, Scotland won't want to be kind of beaten up here. So I think this could be an intriguing fixture. And then finally, France v England. France 80 minutes away from winning a Grand Slam. What are your thoughts there, uh, Liam? Do you feel that there's an England repost here? Uh, that that's could, exa- uh, that, yeah, that's exactly what I think. I think there's a big England kickback um, this week from, from last week's performance. And, you know, I mean... 
Eddie Jones uh, has said as well that he was actually quite pleased with the performance that he showed last week. Um, I certainly wouldn't be banking money on France actually winning this fi- this fixture. Um, I could see England really fronting up a front and being an absolutely brutally physical game. Just um, penalties, maybe a try or two. Um, so maybe a, like a try each side sort of thing is what I can see happening. But um, the momentum is with France and France at home, I would say by, I would go with six points to beat England. The England pack, I think France are probably generally worried about, just given that performance against Ireland. And I thought France-Ireland were very 50-50 in their pack exchanges. England to a man after Euros going off really did elevate their performance level. Now there could be a come down as well here, Liam, but I think that will be the fascinating battle because I think England haven't really showed a whole lot in terms of attacking play apart from Marcus Smith's uh, creativity. I probably will go France by probably five or six points, but it could be hanging on a knife edge here going into the last 10, 15 minutes. I think England, there's definitely a repost in them. I think the question here is, how do they involve Slade? How do they involve the back three here to become a very cohesive attacking force? We've not seen it. It's been a very disappointing campaign in terms of the attacking. You could take the Italian t- uh, fixture out of it. They've been very disappointing with ball in hand inside uh, opposition's 22. So that'll be a fascinating watch. But I think that England pack, if I told Jay, Sinclair, George, Launchbury may come into the mix here as well. Laws. These guys start firing. France are not going to be rolling away off tackles. They're going to be giving penalties away. There's no better guy than Marcus Smith giving 3-6-9-12. So I think it could be, if England can literally be there, thereabouts coming at halftime, I'm very fascinated to see this French team psychologically in terms of if things are not going their way, particularly in that second quarter, will players have the same reaction that they had in the Principality State? If they did, the Parisian crowd will smell it. And they'll give them the reaction that it deserves a bit of heckling, a few boos. That happens then. This game's wide open. But I think France may be just nicking it by five points. But I think it'll be a, a thrilling finale to the Six Nations. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. If you liked what you heard in this podcast, why not subscribe to the Hawkeye Psychic podcast on either Amazon, Spotify, YouTube or Twitter platforms. You can also follow me at Hawkeye Psychic on Facebook and Twitter for the latest sporting opinions, articles and reports.